All right, so our theme this, uh, this week of prayer, as Pam has said, is on earth as in heaven. And of course, it's taken from, um, from the Lord's Prayer. This is, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer as it is in Matthew 6 in the New King James Version. So why don't we say this together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Interesting, as I was doing this this week, you know, most of us have learned the, the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? Um, I just, I, I don't know, I, I, it's been a long time since I, I don't dive into the King James Version too often, I do once in a while, and uh, it's been a long time, I just have assumed that Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Is the King James Version of this passage. But it's actually not in any of our English translations. Forgive us our trespasses is not in any of our English translations. Look it up. Um, it, actually, it actually comes from the, the Anglican prayer book is where that comes from. Um. So you, you might look at this and say, oh, they're changing the Lord's Prayer. No, it's actually what, what it is in all of our English, English translations. But uh, yeah, Jesus taught us to pray that the kingdom of the Father would come and that his will would be done on earth the same way that it's done in heaven. And, uh, and this is not... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven is not a prayer about the return of Jesus and an end time reality. But it's a prayer that the world we live in now would be ordered according to God's rule and God's plan and God's purpose. How do we know, how do we know that that's the case? Well, we know it from Jesus' own ministry. A couple of chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel, it says this, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, pro proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Right? So Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God had come on earth, and then went around undoing the works of the kingdom of darkness, and demonstrating what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven comes. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no demonized people in heaven. So when the kingdom of heaven comes, things change. When God is in charge, things look differently than when the enemy holds authority. But you might ask, what was that maybe only what 
only for Jesus to do, right? Like, Jesus went around doing those things, but that was, I mean, he was God, right? Like, that was Jesus. Was he just showing us that his, who he is and his authority and, and that he's the Messiah? Or are we supposed to expect the kingdom of God to change things through our lives and ministry as well? Well, Matthew 10, a little further on in the same gospel, says these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. That as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So he sent his disciples out to do the exact same thing that he was doing. Proclaim the kingdom of God, that it had come, and then show the kingdom of God had come by healing the sick and delivering people from demons. And we can follow right through the book of Acts that after Jesus had ascended to the Father and poured out his spirit on the church and sent his people into the world, we see them continuing to do the same thing, proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God and changing the world around them, the earth, to look more like heaven than it did before. As, was, as is often the case, Jesus wanted them to participate in being the answer to their own prayers. Right? God is a way of calling us to pray, but then saying, okay, now, now I'm going to do some things through you that are going to actually bring about the answer to your own prayers. When it comes to praying for God's kingdom to come, part of the challenge is that we as followers of Christ are often not truly kingdom-minded. I know we may, be, we may be saved and forgiven. Our names may be written in the book of life. But do we have God's kingdom purpose written on our hearts? Why is it that we often at the beginning of the year talk about renewing our commitment to prayer and, and reading the scriptures? Right? I started, a, uh, started again a, a, a scripture reading plan to read through, the, read through the, the scriptures in 2024. And we have a week of prayer encouraging people to, to refocus again on prayer. Why is, it, why is it that we do that at the beginning of the year? Is it because these, these are the rules that a good Christian follows and if you want to be a good Christian this year, you should do these things? No. <laughs> no. The answer is no. I was waiting for your answer, but the answer is no. That kind of thinking is terrible. I think it, I honestly, I think that kind of thinking makes God puke.
He is not about some kind of competition to see who can be more spiritual or more religious, who can read more Bible verses this year. He's not about measuring his love for you based on your performance in 2024. That is not what God is about. Reading the scriptures and spending time in prayer is for you, not for him. Right? Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first verse here tells us that living a surrendered, sacrificial, holy life is not something we do to gain or earn God's mercy. Notice it says, because of his mercy. His mercy is a gift. God's forgiveness for you. His grace in your life. It's a gift. We don't earn God's favor, his love, his forgiveness. We don't earn those things. Right? Okay? But because of his mercy... Because his mercy has set us free, then our response would be to give everything to him. Right? Now the second verse here, starting at do not be conformed. The second verse in this passage tells us a lot of things. First of all, it tells us there are two different patterns or structures or cultures that are at war with each other. Right? There is the pattern of this world, the structure, the culture of this world, and the structure, culture of the kingdom of God that are at war with each other. Secondly, it tells us that we will, as people who walk in this world, we will conform or be molded to either one pattern or the other. We're going to live our lives according to the values and the perspectives of one system or the other. It also tells us That transformation into a kingdom-minded person is not automatic. It is not a given. Paul has to tell these believers, and they're believers he's writing to, he has to tell these believers to stop conforming to the world's system and thinking and be transformed. There's something they need to participate in in order to shift from being a world-minded person to a kingdom-minded person. There's a change that has to take place. And, and this passage, this verse, tells us that that transformation happens 
by the renewing of our minds. We are transformed as our minds are renewed, made new. That word, the word transformed is the word uh, in Greek, is the word metamorphosis. Right? From a caterpillar to a butterfly. Like that's a, that's a huge transformation. Amazing what God made when he made, when he made the butterfly and how, it, how its life cycle goes, right? Amazing. And that's a picture for us of the kind of transformation that God wants to work in our lives by the renewing of our minds. Before any of us come to Christ, we have spent at least some time and some of us decades being trained by the ways of the world's thinking. Right? No one had to tell you to lie to your parents to get yourself out of trouble. It came pretty naturally. And it starts pretty young. We got grandsons coming up. Believe me, it starts pretty young. And even after we come to Christ, we have the world's messages coming at us, bombarding us from everywhere. It's in the news. It's in the news feed on our social media. It's in TV commercials. It's in TV shows and movies and music. It's in conversations at work, at Tim Hortons. Oftentimes, even with our, own, with our brothers and sisters in our conversations, Oftentimes, our, our worldly-minded. And if we're not spending a significant amount of time in the Scriptures, there is no hope in the world that we will displace other messages that are coming at us every day. We cannot make it through our week being kingdom-minded people because we heard a sermon on Sunday. Or even by reading a five-minute daily bread devotional, as great as that is. Nothing against daily bread. But five minutes out of our day is not going to cause us to be kingdom-minded people. Jesus told us that the key to living victoriously in a messed up world was to seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do we do that? The starting place, at least, is to spend some time in God's word so that our mind can be filled with kingdom thinking. It also means spending time in God's presence, in prayer. That is also a key to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Being in His presence, gazing upon Jesus, spending time with Him, actually has the, does the part of the work of, of us being transformed by being renewed in his presence. 
Being with the king will cause us to become like the king. We become that which we behold, folks. This passage also tells us, finally, that we can't naturally discern the will of God. We cannot naturally discern the will of God. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. But if the then hasn't happened, we are not able to discern God's will accurately. God's will is very often at odds with our own. Right? And if we are looking to follow God's will by following our hearts, we will get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Discerning God's will can only happen when we have been transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I bet every person here and every person watching online this morning, every person wants to know God's will for you in 2024. And you can know it. That's another thing that this passage tells us. It can be discerned. We can know it but not without aligning our heart and our mind to Him. There's an intentional intentionality that needs to happen in our lives to align ourselves with God's Word and His, His presence in order to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern what He's up to. We are called to be kingdom people. We are not saved, folks, to just put in time and wait for heaven. We are saved, this is important, we are saved to join God's great renovation plan of changing this world to look more like the world to come. God is doing a massive renovation project in this world to make it look more like heaven, make it look more like the world to come. And there will come a day when he will crack the sky and he will come down and the job will be done and, and this world will be completely conformed. Heaven and earth will come together. I can't wait for that day. Right? But from now until that day, God is not just twiddling his thumbs waiting for that moment. He is at work doing a renovation project in this world to transform lives and hearts and people and nations to see this world become more like the world to come. To put it another way, God's primary goal is not to get you to heaven, but to get heaven in you. 
and then to use your life to bring heaven on earth. Sure, I can say that again. God's primary goal is not to get you to heaven, but to get heaven in you and then to use your life to bring heaven to earth. And we do that by prayer and by action, by praying and working. And this is why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to contend in prayer for the transformation of our world. This week of prayer, I mean, if you participate, if you engage with it, you're going to receive some stuff. You're going to, God's going to bless you as you spend time in prayer. I believe that. But this week of prayer is warfare, folks. It is warfare. We often find that in times like this week, we stir up a hornet's nest because the last thing the enemy wants is for a group of people like us, for a group of people to get a vision of a transformed city and begin praying and working towards that goal. It's the last thing he wants. He wants this city to look more like hell every day. More people hating people who are different than them. More people giving in to their worst and uh, selfish desires and cravings. More people angry and broken and resentful and fearful. And if the church acts like an institution and hides in their buildings like bunkers waiting for the war to pass before they poke their heads out, then the enemy will get what he's after. Our city will look more and more like hell every day. But if, on the other hand, the church becomes kingdom-minded, rather than being all about self-protection and comfort, but we get a vision of what our city would look like if heaven came to earth, and prayed and worked towards that reality, then no demon in this city will be safe. What do you want to see in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood in 2024? What do you think God wants to see in your life, your family, your neighborhood? If we don't at least have some picture of what it would look like at the end of this year for Jesus to move into our neighborhood then how can we possibly pray for our neighbors? How can we pray for our family? And if we don't know what it looks like for Jesus and his kingdom to come in our family, our lives, our neighborhood, then ask him. Ask him. In fact, I think that's part of what we're doing this week as we gather for prayer is say, Jesus Give us a vision of what it looks like for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our city as it is in heaven. Let him give us a prophetic vision from God for our family and for our neighborhood. 
Kingdom prayer is effective prayer. It's the last point this morning, just about there. Jesus, by giving us this phrase in the, in, in the prayer he taught us, on earth as it is in heaven, was not just giving us some, some words to recite, right? He was giving us one of, the, one of the significant keys to answered prayer. What would it look like for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done in this situation I'm praying for? And then pray that. And then pray that. Pray the answer more than you pray the problem. When we pray the problem, we are often praying fearful prayers. We're often praying prayers that beg and plead a God we think doesn't love us as much as we want Him to, to come and finally do something in this situation. They're fearful prayers. Maybe God doesn't love me enough to answer this prayer. So rather than praying, God, my child or my grandchild is away from you and they're mixed up in all kinds of things and God, I'm watching their lives implode and I don't want them to come to trouble and harm. Please do something in their lives. Right? We're telling God all the things that are wrong and all the, all the ways that they're in trouble. I think he knows. He knows all that. Right? So what if we prayed something more like, Father, I thank you that my child was shaped in the womb by you and for you. They have, um, you have spoken your purpose over my child before they were even born. And they will yet live to fulfill the purpose that you have for them. I call forth their God-given calling and anointing to impact their generation for you. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. I bind the enemy in every scheme he has to stand in the way of them returning to you and walking in their purpose. Release them into your kingdom destiny, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Right? We're praying the answer instead of the problem. And the more specific the vision is that God has given you for the situation, the more specifically you can pray the solution and the answer. Your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven. So let's spend this, let's stand, folks. I'm going to ask the, the team to come back up. Let's spend this week Here's, here's the deal. You've, you've probably heard me say this before, but oftentimes our prayers are shotgun prayers. We fire something up hoping something hits something. Right? That's what a shotgun does. That's what happens when we're praying the problem. But when we're praying with the answer, not for the answer, we're praying with the answer, it's like praying a guided missile prayer. Amen. 
We know exactly what needs to happen, exactly where, and God's, God's got us locked in on that answer, and we are releasing a guided missile that's not going to just go wild, but it's going to hit what we are aiming for, right? So folks, as a church, let's spend this week aligning ourselves, body, mind, and spirit to the kingdom of God. He is king. He is king. He is king in every situation. He is king and no power on earth, no power in hell can stand against what he is doing, can compare to his authority. What we need to do is not beg him to get on our page but we need to get ourselves on his page. And quickly. We don't want this year to be wasted. We don't want it to be what we want it to be, but we want his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. As we close today, um, I threw a brand new song at uh, the worship team this morning. But uh, it's it's really kind of praying the Lord's prayer, and so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this. And as we do, let this be a, a prayer of surrender. prayer of invitation. God, let your kingdom come in my life. My guitar muted, sir. Oh, it's off here. Never mind. Turned it off here. There we go. Oh
Father, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. God, because of your amazing mercy, we will offer ourselves, our lives, our bodies, our everything as as living sacrifices to you in 2024. We want our lives to be worshipped to you. And in the next week, God, as we as a church take some time to focus in on you, give you our attention, say, God, I don't want you to get on my page. I want to get on your page. I want to be aligned with your kingdom, your will, your purpose for me, for us. God, as we do that this this week, I ask, Father, that you would speak clearly and powerfully to hearts and lives. God, as we say, what does it look like? As we ask you, Jesus, what does it look like for your kingdom to come? life, my family, my city, that God, you will speak, you'll give clarity, you'll give visions, you'll empower us to pray guided missile prayers in 2024 as we pray your kingdom and your will. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name.